Hey everyone, welcome to this week's release of the Hashrate Happy Hour podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Justin Orkney, the commercial director at Standard Power. During today's discussion, we focus on the renewable energy sector and the challenges that it provides to the grid, how Bitcoin mining is a nearly perfect tool for grid balancing, and we talk through how Bitcoin mining is really incentivizing rural revitalization. Today's podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, the Texas Blockchain Council, a Bitcoin-first, nonprofit industry organization working to make Texas the jurisdiction of choice for Bitcoin mining and blockchain innovation. They will be hosting North America's premier policy conference for Bitcoin and the digital asset ecosystem on November 15th through 17th in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information, please visit their website at texasblockchaincouncil.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Justin Orkney at Standard Power. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey Ben, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to to get into it. Yeah, love the shades. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. You know. Love the shades. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. To, I'm. I'm sorry. Have what some was fun that? every now and then. That's right. That's you know you, you got to have fun. Otherwise, it's, it's uh, happy hour. Everything's too serious. and it's happy hour that's right that's right um so yeah i'm i'm pumped to to get into this you have a an awesome background i what i what i love is how much overlap we're starting to see in the bitcoin mining industry from energy industry experts like yourself so uh pumped to get into this but i think what would be really helpful is to have you do like a walkthrough on your background just let the audience if they're not familiar with who you are, um, you know, give the audience who you are and what your background is. And then I love hearing how that ended up pushing you into this crazy world of Bitcoin mining. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I have a mechanical engineering degree that's kind of the baseline of the background. And then for six years, uh, in Tucson, Arizona, I was, uh, working my way through a rooftop solar company. I did you know everything from install to design and engineering and permitting and then sales. So really got a, a pretty solid understanding of solar as a renewable generation technology, if you will, I suppose. Uh, and then from there, I transitioned to working at the local electric utility in Tucson, Arizona for another six years. And initially I was very, uh, you know, my, my role was to manage all of the interconnections of the rooftop solar customers that were coming online. And it was, it was definitely a time uh, between 2013 and, and 2019 where things were really ramping up, uh, certainly in Tucson. And so I was managing a team that reviewed all the interconnection applications for the rooftop solar, uh, both from a rate design perspective, but also a, a distribution interconnection to the grid perspective. Um, so I had a team managing those. And then I also started to get involved with uh, demand response and other technologies like smart thermostats, battery storage, EV chargers at, uh, at Tucson Electric Power and, and how we integrate those with customer programs because you know there's more and more solar and wind coming online and uh, we, we recognized the need or the, you know, the utilities in general were recognizing the need to uh, manage customer load in order to accommodate for the intermittent generation coming online with solar and wind, which we can talk about later. But that was yeah. kind of where I found myself uh, at Tucson Electric Power. And, um, and then, you know, I did a study, which I think maybe we'll talk, uh, talk about a bit later uh, while I was there. And then I was recruited to join Duke Energy, uh, one of the largest electric utilities in the country. And, and these were both uh, vertically integrated utilities. And we can, we can talk more about that also um, sure. in, in regulated jurisdictions. And so for, the, for almost three years, I was working at Duke Energy. And with that background, I was recruited to be uh, more or less at the nexus of new technologies on the grid, uh, rate designs, regulatory strategy, demand response, system operations, 
the integration of renewable energy, mainly solar, but then also batteries, uh, expanding out DC charging infrastructure. What do those programs look like? What does the infrastructure look like? Um, so that was my role at Duke, where then I started, uh, you know, I became aware of Bitcoin mining um, through my own path, actually, even though we had Bitcoin miners on the system that were engaged in the demand response. It wasn't until I had my own <laughs> Bitcoin aha moment sure. at Duke where I started really looking into the, the customers that we did have on the system with Bitcoin mining as a grid resource. And then I started working through the channels of, um, of, of setting up the strategy that would be involved for uh, an electric utility like Duke to take advantage of a industry and a technology like Bitcoin mining. So that was, that was my role at Duke and then and, and kind of how I transitioned into Bitcoin mining and now I'm with Standard Power. And with Standard Power, I'm commercial director, and we can talk more about that, but we are an infrastructure as a service company, and we're building out uh, large Bitcoin mining campuses in Ohio at the moment, and then we'll be building them out in other states as well, and, and hopefully other countries also. I, I appreciate the, the walk through there, and yeah, we're, we're going to dig into pretty much everything that you just walk through and that's why I wanted you to kind of you know lay out the 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 backdrop for the conversation um really excited to dig into what you guys are working at at Standard Power so we'll we'll come full circle to that but I'm going to back you all the way up to the utility company in Arizona you mentioned it briefly but I want to kind of double click on it you ran a study with this group and you guys were looking at you know, distributed energy resources, DERS, DERMs, kind of that, that whole yeah. like scope. What, what was the design or what was the study designed to be looking for? Like what, what were you guys hoping to get out of that? Yeah. And maybe first tell us what it was and then like, what were you looking to get out of it? Yeah, it, it was a pretty, it was a pretty cutting edge study at the time. And it was in coordination with, uh, EPRI, the electric, uh, Electric Power Research Institute. And, um, you know, there was just a lot going on in Arizona and in other states like California and Hawaii at the time with, in respect to rooftop solar. And, and everyone was trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to um, manage the influx of this type of generation, uh, which solar is just generation at the end of the day, on, on the distribution system. And so there was a lot of interest in, in um, you know, figuring it out, right? Because it was, it was happening and it was happening fast. And so this study was designed, it was called uh, Project RAIN, uh, Resource Aggregation and Integration Network. It was a great, great acronym. Uh, and <laughs> We'll stick to yeah, RAIN. That's right. The Tucson is, it, it needs all the RAIN it can get. Um, and so... The idea behind the study was uh, how does it look to manage multiple uh, technology types at a customer home through maybe one particular platform, which I think you mentioned the acronyms DERMS, DERMS, Distributed Energy Resource Management Systems. It's kind of been a buzzword for the last going on yep. five years now or so. Uh, but you know, if we have these internet connected devices at a customer's home, uh, we've got the rooftop solar. Now we've got batteries, we've got thermostats, we've got great connected water heaters. Um, we have EV chargers and what, and what does it look like to interact with all those various technologies based on the, the needs of the system, the production of the solar and the customer's own load and so that was that was kind of it it was small in scale in terms of customers there was only 12 customers but it was very uh, broad and 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 far-reaching in, in terms of scope with what we were trying to accomplish which was basically to say okay if you're in a situation where the grid needs less energy <laughs> from your solar in mm -hmm. particular then 
we might start charging the battery. We might start heating up the hot water. We might turn your air conditioning on, even though you don't um, necessarily need, you know, you wouldn't otherwise have it on. We might try to soak up energy from the system in that regards. So can we send one type of signal and have all these different devices react as they would based on their technology, whether they're a water heater or a battery to, to accomplish that? Or are we in more of a load shed scenario where we need as much energy as we can get? So now the battery is discharging. Um, the thermostats are turning off the air conditioning or the heating and the EV chargers are curtailing the charge of the car. And so, you know, that was, that was the nature of the study. And it was, (laughs) I think. And so was it, sorry to, to jump in. So was it just to see how you guys could interact with that system at somebody's house? Or was there like a specific, like, we want to see how we can interact with this system so that we can, I'm guessing it was to balance, keep the grid balanced. Right? Yeah, that was, that was the larger okay. aspect of it was to, you know, get to the physics of the situation, right? It, it was, it was less about the customer. They were just a node with all these different technologies yep. there. And one of them, one of the technologies was rooftop solar, which was generating electricity and, you know, the customers using electricity and how can we, how can we, look to balance and optimize the interaction of those different devices and and loads and generation with what's going on with the rest of the system. And so, you know, a simple, a simple uh, derivation of that is uh, just avoiding, avoiding peak afternoon, right? So like making sure that your batteries charge, your hot water heaters turned off, when when 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. rolls around in the summer afternoon, right? And your heater, your air conditioning's off, and maybe we pre-cooled you before, so you're a little extra cool, so you can ride through, right? So we're trying to we're trying to like shave the peak, as it were, uh, and and yep. limit limit the capacity draw on the system at that particular time. Because it was a little bit of a duck curve in there, right? Because I think sure. when I was looking through the study, a lot of the graphs had the morning spike huge i mean i think it bottomed out or went negative in the afternoons and then come four or five p.m it it shot back up yeah yeah exactly so you know really really digging into the characteristics of the technologies you know shaving away all the emotion and all the riffraff and just looking at what are the electrons doing and and seeing if we can optimize the behavior of these technologies in a way that is helpful to the grid to balance the solar coming on the system where it is when it is, but um, you know, without driving the customer crazy, <laughs> right? Because at yeah, the end yeah. of the day, yeah. you know, that was one of the that was one of the comments we got back. One of the only negative comments was that in in July in the afternoon, my house got a little too cold because you were pre cooling it because you were going to turn off my air conditioner for the next three hours when it's 110 degrees outside, but it got a little chilly initially, you know, cause we use their, we use their house as a thermal envelope, you know, as, as thermal storage, yeah. you know, we pumped, we, we, we pumped in the energy into their house basically and made it cold <laughs> to ride through the three hour event, uh, where we didn't want their air conditioner be on when everybody else's was on. So, you know, it's just, you're, you're trying to do the physics and, and, and balance the grid and the distribution system in, in one scenario, but then you've got this, this actual human being on the other side and how's that impacting them as well. And so that was also part of the study is just to say, okay, what does it look like if, if the utility is utilizing these distributed energy resources as actual grid balancing resources, how is that impacting the customer on the other at the end use, which is ultimately what it's all about. Yeah. And I think I saw again in that study, like of the different, you know, assets that were looked at, it was like, what was the effect on human comfort? (laughs) There was, 
there was there was a line item under each one like what impact like was it impactful or not very impactful to to like comfort um so what was the the end result i think it was complicated but what what was the end finding yeah the end finding was it's complicated (laughs) it's complicated man and uh you know i think it was i i use the term clunky at best you know uh and so we were exploring open source protocols for all the various devices, but some devices didn't have that. And you know, they had their own proprietary cloud networks and, you know, there was just all sorts of maneuvering to, to ultimately get back up to that one um, software solution that was sitting at the top, the derms. And, and yeah, you had all the batteries were, the batteries were the worst part because they had so much <laughs> it took so many conduits on people's walls unfortunately to i saw that picture these, yeah it was very intricate yeah you know and maybe it was the utility over engineering a little bit or or maybe not i mean i don't know how much you could have actually maybe streamlined some of that because it all it all was it's going dc to, DC AC. to ac i mean you have to have all that stuff circuits, in there you've got yeah. Your regular circuits. I mean, it's just, there's so much going on. And so anyway, I think the general takeaway was just like, it's not ready for prime time. And to the extent that engaging with customers as a grid resource is, is the strategy of the future, you know, some things may or may not scale as well as other opportunities. Right. And I think, I think maybe that's where, you know, I had all that background when I saw Bitcoin mining, it was like, ding. Okay. Well, I know how complicated everything else is (laughs) and I know how frustrating it is for customers to not be able to heat their home or cool their house or charge their car. So let's, but, yeah, so yeah. let let's actually unpack that a little bit. Why was Bitcoin mining like a ding moment in this scenario? So just to summarize what we what we just kind of went through, you guys did a study to evaluate several different like generation and storage assets on people's houses. It's very complicated and it's hard for the utility company to interact with to balance the grid properly. Why then is Bitcoin a ding moment? Why is that like a light bulb moment? Like, oh, well, here's Bitcoin. Here's what this can do. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, if basically uh, how I like to describe it is if we could design a, a customer load to behave in a way that was most beneficial to the grid, right? And, and I'm keeping it broad at the moment because I could be talking about a car charger. I could be talking about a water yep. heater or an air conditioner or a, um, <laughs> yeah, a, a heater and a, a pool pump. So the point is, or I could be talking about a Bitcoin miner. If I could design a customer that had load response characteristics to where they could be operating at a very predictable level, uh, for <laughs> indefinitely and then i mm-hmm. can have them shut off almost immediately very near real time to to any particular level 50 percent, 30 percent, 100 percent, and then i can have that go indefinitely and then i can turn it back on i mean when you start thinking okay well can i do that with someone's thermostat no (laughs) can i do that with someone's (laughs) car charger no can i do that with some you know can i do that with any of these other type of customer loads that we've been looking at to achieve this dynamic of managing customer response on the grid can i do that with any other of these types of technologies no i can't but bitcoin mining it's it's obvious it's right there like and so that's where that's what the aha moment was because i I heard about it, I thought about it, and then I checked out some of the customers that we had on our system while I was at Duke. And I saw them, you know, I got in touch with them and they shared, you know, we, we tested it out and I saw their, I saw their load go, 
you know, and then hum right, like pinpoint precision and then come back up. And I mean, that's it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you kind of unpacking that because I think for for you and I, I I mean, it's kind of just like, duh, I mean, (laughs) this is a no no brainer, but I think, well, I think it is hard for a lot of people to kind of understand and might have to do with the narrative that you see out there around Bitcoin mining. But I mean, it's like herding cats times 10, trying to control people's thermostats, hot water heaters. You're going to piss everybody off. You know, look at what happened in Colorado yeah. with XL Energy. Exactly. Not very many people know about it, but go look into it because they had a hell of a bad experiment well, <laughs> go on. And, yeah, so here's but, the thing is like, you know, I'm, I'm doing these same types of programs in Duke as to what you're referring to in Colorado. And I was doing the same stuff in, in Tucson, Arizona, and I know about I mean, they exist, they exist in, in, in a lot of states, maybe most states. And, you know, I think, I think there is something to it, or at least I used to, you know, to these types of programs where a customer signs up, gets a gift card for a hundred bucks or whatever. And then the utility gets the opportunity to manage their load in time, in times of peak demand. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I, there might be something to those programs, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the terms and conditions say, right? Because that's where the utilities always go, right? It's like, oh my gosh, why are they mad at us? Don't you read clause nine? It says we get to do this. It's like, you gave them the gift card back in January and now it's August 15th at 7 PM and you're telling them they need to sweat in their house a little bit and they don't like it. (laughs) So, uh, it doesn't matter what the contract says. Right. And, um, I think, you know, you just start to think about how even in the best case scenario, there, they, what there's what's called customer fatigue. Right. And so a lot of these programs have opt outs and let's say a customer doesn't opt out the first day, but it's a three or four day storm and it's cold or it's hot. It can be either one. And the first day they're, they're okay with you adjusting their thermostat you know, three degrees and you don't know. I mean, at that point you're dealing with the envelope of the house. So that three degree set point change, you don't know how many megawatts or kilowatts that's actually going to get you for how long. It's a very soft, it's a very soft resource, right? Because they can have their windows open (laughs) or for all you know, right? And, um, And so best case scenario, some version of that happens the first day. Well, the second day, the good hearted person might be a little fatigued and maybe a little less interested in doing that again. And by the third day, forget about it, maybe, you know? And so you have a very quick decay of customer participation in long duration events, which is, you know, what we start, what we're starting to see anyway. And so, yeah, yeah, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, why, why get in there and try and tinker with exactly. that when you can have a very large, stable business built around providing exactly exactly that? that. Yeah, let the people I mean, there, live their lives. Yeah. Bitcoin mining can show up where you need it as a grid resource. It's location agnostic, scale agnostic, time agnostic, and balance the grid doing that and forget about people's thermostats <laughs> and you know, right, or, or right. telling them not to charge their car. You know, because that's yeah. So I think this is a. It is. It is. It's really. It's really important. I think this is a good segue into your time at Duke. You you had a chance to participate in another study um, around the demand response. You know, characteristics and profile of Bitcoin mining. Say as much as you can about that study and program, and and then you know maybe if again if you can touch on like did Duke walk away excited about it or did it kind of go in? I'm coming from corporate America, so I I understand where programs can kind of go live a very long (laughs) and, and sad life, not really doing anything. So I maybe get into that program a little bit. Yeah, no, this is good. It's live. Good, good. Yeah. So, so to jump in, um, uh, with, with Bitcoin mining at, at Duke energy and, so when I connected, when I connected the dots and, 
started to become more <laughs> convinced that Bitcoin mining was what I know it is now today. Uh, this, this incredible, flexible customer resource industry. I mean, you can, you can box it in any technology, right? It can be, it's all of those things. Uh, and I was, I basically wanted to, uh, start going down the path of, of implementing it strategically within the mm -hmm. utility. So I was interested in, um, putting the pieces in place for Duke energy, be able to really start taking seriously Bitcoin mining as an industry and as a grid resource that could accomplish, you know, what we were trying to accomplish with all these other types of customer programs, demand response mm -hmm. programs and rate designs, you know, time of use rate designs where it's a higher price at a particular hour of the day. So that people are, that's like this, this, the stick part of it, right? You're in, you're encouraged yeah. to not use electricity at the higher prices, and and then there's a carrot at midnight if you want to use energy. Then it's it's extra cheap. So, um, <laughs> you know, instead of basically not not instead of at that point, but just Bitcoin mining, like starting to try to put it in the mix of the conversation because I recognized that this was really what they needed to be looking at and, and needed a lot of priority. And so um, when you're in a, when you're in a regulated utility like Duke energy or like the Tucson electric power, where I was back in Arizona um, in order to, to be dynamic and to innovate and to evolve, uh, you know, you need to do studies. You need to engage with, um, generally you need to engage with outside consultants that come in and, and help organize the effort. And, um, ultimately you, you come up with a story of, of what you're trying to accomplish. And at the end of the day, that's what you take to the regulatory commission to say, look, I want to do this program. I want to do this rate design because here's the technology, here's the economics, here's how it works on the system. You know, we've, we've, we've proved it this way. We've talked to these people, we've mm -hmm. proved it that way. And so that was the, the, the study that I started putting in place at Duke energy with Bitcoin mining was to do, okay, what's, what's the market assessment? Like <laughs> when, you know, let's, can we get past the chuckle fest on Bitcoin and yeah. Bitcoin mining, right? Is it, is it going to disappear tomorrow? Is it a traveling circus or is it real? Is it real? And is it going to be here tomorrow? You know, that's a big one. Is it going to be here tomorrow? Uh, I think it's pretty obvious at this point, but uh, you know, it, things can change and that's where the strategy comes in. But then, um, you know, does it work? Right. How, you know, we hear a lot mm -hmm. of stuff about being able to shut off and stay off and then turn back on and shut off and do that over and over again. And, you know, what's that look like? How does the technology actually perform if you're operating it in, as a grid resource, right? Not, not as a not necessarily as a Bitcoin miner, but as a grid resource where if you need to turn it off, right. you turn it off. If you need to turn it on, you turn it on. And then, you know, how does the technology work in that respect? And so that's the study I, that that's, that's going on in Duke right now. And, and it's being expanded. I think they're very, they're very positive about it. Um, oh, that's fantastic to hear. That's great. Yeah. This, uh, you know, they're looking to, um, you know, it may not be publicly released reports. And so it's unclear uh, exactly what's going to come out of the study, uh, but they are using it internally. And there will hopefully be an executive summary that is, is public. Um, We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Support for this episode comes from Sunnyside Digital. Are you ready for the next Bitcoin bull run? Get ahead of the game by building out your Bitcoin mining infrastructure now. Sunnyside Digital is your one-stop shop for everything Bitcoin mining, from transformers and switchgear to racks and miners. With a white glove approach to understanding your needs, they'll provide you with the hardware you need at the most competitive pricing possible. Say goodbye to your sourcing headaches and say hello to Sunnyside Digital. Contact their sales team today at sunnysideinc.ca or 
via email at sales at sunnysideinc.ca. All right, now back to the show. Oh, that's fantastic. I, so I have to ask, and again, I mentioned I'm coming from the world of corporate America yeah. um, with with my past, you know, past jobs. How did you even get, because, I mean, it was probably a hurdle in and of itself just to get Duke to take the idea seriously yeah. enough. Did you just ask enough, like, over a span of a couple of months? They're just like, geez, Justin just keeps pounding on this Bitcoin thing. Like, what what was it that actually spurred Duke to take it seriously? Yeah, it was, um, I was already working, I was already working with these outside consultants on, you know, winter peaking studies, on on these other demand response studies that were trying to build out the plans for the future with respect to water heaters and batteries and EV chargers and, and blah, blah, blah on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on how to accomplish balancing the grid. Like what, what can we reasonably expect in terms of capacity to be able to flexibly manage this new dynamic generation world that we're going into that we have no control over. Right. And I was already working with them. So it was just like, Hey guys, uh, let's work on Bitcoin now also. And, and so that was actually fairly straightforward. You know, it, it was pretty, it was pretty easy for me to explain to my leadership and to my direct leadership and to, you know, the, these people I was already working with how Bitcoin mining as a, as a grid resource, could accomplish all this, all this, uh, demand response functionality. And so it was, it was almost kind of like a bolt on to what the work I was already doing really Mm. when you think about it, but now it's kind of being carved out into its own lane a little bit, which is exciting. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, there has been, um, you know, it's, it's, there has been issues like you have this, you have very similar conversations with the distribution planning engineers and the system operators, and you want to get to the physics, right? You, you want to, mm-hmm. you want to, uh, talk about balancing the load and the voltage and the power quality and, and the engineering problems and solutions. But you, you invariably, you know, they want to talk about, FTX or, or Russia or, or child, oh, you know, child sex trafficking yeah, yeah. or, you know, yeah. like you're talking about Bitcoin, right? Like, well, I heard Bitcoin's a scam, you know, it's like, oh, you guys, you're missing it. Right. It's like, we need to, so, so there was, was, some it of that was definitely initially. a combination of both yeah. of those where I was having to kind of put on an orange pill hat in a way and be like, okay, we can either talk about this now or we can talk about it later. So well, let's talk about it now. Bitcoin's not going away. Here's what it is. This is what it does. This is why it's important. This is why it matters. And here's why all the bad things are probably not as bad or aren't true at all as you know as what sure. you think. Um, and then, and now, now can we talk about the physics, please? <laughs> like that'd be great. Okay, good. So great. it was a lot of that. There was definitely a lot of that. Okay. Yeah, and that. I appreciate that. I, I just for it was kind of me scratching an itch there just to hear how you were able to navigate those waters in that conversation at, at a large corporation. Um, it's very exciting, and so you know, understanding that this is all, you know, again, I think for myself, I kind of live in like the the Bitcoin Twitter world where. You know, Bitcoin mining is going to solve and fix everything type of, you know, it's it's just a lot of the exposure. So I try to kind of step outside of the the little bubble that I'm in and, and just check to make sure it, this type of stuff holds water. Is there such a thing as like too much of that type of activity on a grid? Or is it just incentive mechanisms that would start to deter Bitcoin miners from coming to the grid system. So I guess, do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm asking is, could there be a scenario where too much Bitcoin mining activity pops up on the grid and then it goes from being a tool and a resource and a flexible load for demand response and it all of a sudden becomes to 
you know, consuming too much? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think that's the fear, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's how it works out. Um, and you hear a lot of people say, you know, Bitcoin's always going for the cheapest energy and the stranded energy and mm -hmm. the latent capacity on the system, right? And the, the capacity that's there, that's built and sitting there doing nothing 97% of the time of the year. Um, it's hard to imagine a scenario where Bitcoin would just be all consuming because that would just drive prices up and that would push, you know, it, 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 they, it, it's, it's always counteracting itself. So I think the more, the more these markets and um, these grids are able to integrate strategically where Bitcoin mining makes sense, they'll just, it's going to just build out on itself and, it'll be in this manner where there is the interoperability to, to manage it as a grid resource, I believe. And, and uh, you know, especially with these machines now that are lasting, you know, expected lives of five to seven years, uh, if not longer. And, and some of the old, old versions, you know, as, as we move through, I think you're really going to start to see the, the concept of Bitcoin mining as, as, energy infrastructure take take new form factors even maybe and and um and 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 respond to engineering challenges on the system as an engineering solution because it has it has it all there and i just don't i don't see how it would be possible for bitcoin mining to to um just take over or, 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 or perform in some way that wasn't, that wasn't beneficial for everybody. And it wasn't like optimizing the grid because it's always, it's always attacking that wasted energy that exists on the grid. Electric grids have wasted energy. They have wasted capacity. It's just, it's going to just keep chomping away at that. And, okay. um, and I suppose as we continue to transition, like, you know, you're seeing kind of an energy energy transition, right? And so as we continue that path, we're probably just going to have more and more types of wasted energy. When you look at like, <laughs> well, big wind, you know, when you look at, <laughs> well, well I, I mean, there's a lot of wind farms that sit idle. Yeah. Well, um, we can or or they don't sit idle and they dump their electricity yeah. just to earn credits. So I mean, there's there's that type of activity. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just always curious in in kind of you know giving it the sniff test of is it a perfect tool? I mean, again, you don't have to convince me because I, trust me, I, that is my bias. Is I think this is I think Bitcoin mining really does step in in a really important way. Um, but it's just always good to kind of just check that. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And, and I, I, I try to do that myself, you know, like, am I, am I really, am I brainwashed? <laughs> right. Like, am I really, am I really seeing things correctly here? And I think yeah. that, you know, it's just, it, it, it keeps affirming itself, you know, when you, when you check and you recheck and you, I mean, just recently in Texas, like we just had another confirmation of Bitcoin mining as a grid resource in Texas with this previous heat wave, you know, last week. Um, and and this week, and I think week. I think yesterday it was like 118 degrees in Austin, Texas. It's it's June 28th, by the way, for the, you know, this this will come out a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, it was like 118 degrees. Yeah. And so, you know, you're it'll just, it's just going to keep happening. Um, and it is, and it's real, it's real. There's, and, and then you compare it again to, you know, we're probably, we're probably going to hear another story about a thermostat program this summer too, you know, unfortunately. <laughs> so it just, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's maybe transition a little bit and talk about your current role at standard power. Uh, maybe give us the the ten thousand foot view. Who is Standard Power? What do you guys do? How do you do it? That all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. So Standard Power is an infrastructure as a service company. Um, and we build out large, you know, data center and Bitcoin mining campuses. Um, and we do it at the, the, the largest of industrial scales. And then we, the, we, we provide that capacity to clients, uh, you know, other, other Bitcoin miners that may be looking for a place to plug in 20 megawatts, 50 megawatts, hundred megawatts at a time. And, and, and we provide access to the grid and to the, the, uh, high, you know, the low side of a high voltage transformer so that they can operate. And then we, we also provide the software solution tech stack so that they can strategically integrate into the grid and, and perform these demand response uh, functionalities, and then also even um, be more 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 active in terms of sync reserve and and just just being integrated into the grid as a grid resource. If they want to, it's there. Um, we have a minimum uh, requirement that we avoid the highest hour of the year in Ohio, just based on how they how their electric rates and their market works. Um, if you avoid the highest, what ends up being the highest hour of the year, then you you essentially don't have to pay for transmission and distribution costs because you weren't there. <laughs> so they don't have to design the system oh, wow. to meet your needs is the logic behind that. And so, so, but you don't know, we have to forecast what the highest hour is going to be. And so we do that. And then we have, you know, integrations with the, the, the market and, so we require that type of demand response, but then there's other demand response where it could just be that the, the real time pricing is getting unprofitable for a miner. And so they want to shut down. And so we make that available to them based on the, the market dynamics of, of where we're at in Ohio. And then, um, you know, there's, there's other ancillary benefits that they can, they can, and markets that they can provide uh, services to where you know one of them i mentioned earlier is called sync reserve and that's really kind of fast acting response time and so yeah. we just to make sure that we we just want we have we have the the entire uh, ecosystem available for a miner to set up shop and to execute on their their business model whether it's immersion air cooled uh hydro cooled it's fine um we have it all and so we're building out a 1.2 gigawatt facility in Conesville, Ohio at the moment. That's our, our, our big project right now that we're rolling out. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's standard power. That's what we do. And that's who we are. Uh, thank you. Um, you, you know, kind of prior to the show, you and I chatted and, um, one of the, the prompts that I wanted to make sure I was prompting <laughs> you with was heat, heat waste, heat reuse. Um, is that, is that also an aspect to what you guys are doing at Standard Power? Yeah, well, I think, you know, just to take a step back, a big part of our projects in, in Ohio, as they are, is, is something, um, you know, I refer to as rural revitalization. Uh, Mike Hobart coined it uh, Renaissance 2.0, which I think maybe uh, a little bit <laughs> has a little more zing to it. But, um, you know, the idea that these, that these towns in rural America anywhere, everywhere you go, uh, that had industry and then the industry left and they're, they're struggling, they've been struggling. And so we're going in and we're taking advantage of the existing infrastructure, existing industry that was there that had left. Our first site was 50 megawatts. It was uh, a, a paper mill and it shut down and left, took all its jobs. And, and so we came in, took it over, took over the site, cleaned it up and built built out 50 megawatts, 60 megawatts of Bitcoin mining. And, and now that site's up and running. And, and then uh, in Conesville, we're taking over an abandoned uh, or, or a, a, a coal plant that's being demolished. It's been, been decommissioned. It's being demolished as we speak. And so we're taking over the interconnection. It's one of the largest in the country. So our interconnection is one of the largest in the countries. And we're setting up shop right next to it. And we're building out 1.2 gigawatts of Bitcoin mining there. And so just bringing that industry back 
to these rural towns in, in Ohio. It's going to have an incredible impact on them. And so then, you know, one, what you mentioned with the waste heat, one of the really exciting things we're doing as well is we're looking to uh, take advantage of the waste heat or the exhaust from the miners. It's, it's one of the outputs besides Satoshi's is and noise is heat and taking that heat and, um, you know, maybe we send it to the water treatment plant in Coshocton. Maybe we plummet to provide district heating to the small community in Conesville, Ohio, help them uh, upgrade their infrastructure, you know, build out greenhouses. You know, there's going to be all sorts of opportunities to just really maximize the opportunity that Bitcoin mining presents to, to the entire community based on, <laughs> you know, its exhaust, its tax base, you know, everything. That's that. Yeah. I appreciate you going into that. I, what I, I love all of the like secondary use cases with Bitcoin mining too. Um, just just wait till somebody figures out how to reuse the noise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that'll be an exciting day. Um, so I, you, you mentioned you guys are going to take over a coal plant, and and yeah, so obviously the infrastructure there is massive. It needs to be. How, what is the relationship there? Because that used to be a facility providing power, and now in its place is going to be a facility that's that's soaking up power. How how does that work? Where does where does the power input to you guys? Where's that coming from? Yeah, well, you know, you have to dig into their, like their integrated uh, um, resource planning to to take a, to to know exactly like. You know, they, they plan to decommission this coal plant and it's been decommissioned for, you know, a few years now, at least. And now it's being demolished. And so that was a plan. And then there would have been other generation coming online to replace it as part of the strategy for the, the jurisdiction there um, and the grid. So uh, it's, it's there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know specifically what was put in place to re to replace the coal plant that is being demolished. But, but yeah, we have uh, contracts with the local uh, utility and with a generator, it's a deregulated market. So you have the poles and wires company and the, you know, the capacity company, and then you have the generation. Yeah. And so um, we have, we have contracts basically on up to 1.2 gigawatts of power and we'll be drawing it from the grid. <clears throat> um, we are we have the opportunity to partner directly with nuclear energy facilities on the same system and our our clients if they're interested can get what they call uh, what they refer to as emission free energy credits effects and they basically uh, pay some sort of little premium for the the effect that settles on the PGM market and eventually that premium gets back to the nuclear operator for their emission-free energy that they produced. And now the, the person that has the EFAC can claim, EFAC can claim that they uh, were powered emission-free from nuclear energy. So we have, we have that available. And um, otherwise, otherwise it's just, we're, we're just coming onto the system. Uh, longer term, though it's interesting because of the the location and the situation and just where we're at in the world we're we're imagining we're going to be doing a small modular reactor at that site once the coal plant's gone and remediated um, putting in a small modular reactor there to replace some of the generation that was lost from the coal plant and so that's on the that's five really to cool. 15 year uh horizon that's uh, that's beyond exciting. Yeah. I actually, I'm going to have a gentleman. I'm excited. I'll have a gentleman on a couple of episodes after after yours and I's Justin, and we're we're going to talk through nuclear. Um, Who's that? I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, well, it's okay. because this episode's yeah. I'll tell you offline. No, I don't want to spoil it for no problem. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tell you offline. Um, but it it'll be really exciting, and and it'll be fun to walk through. You know, kind of the nuances to nuclear. Yeah, um, one point two gigawatts is massive. So, did I hear you right? You're going to have two 
1.2 gigawatt or just the one? Uh, we have the we have the one 1.2 gigawatts. I think I think there might be like a a stretch goal to 1.8 gigawatts, but I'm not I'm not sure about that. But yeah, that's Conesville, Ohio, 1.2 gigawatts. Uh, we have another site just 10 miles north of it in Coshocton that's up and running. That's 60 megawatts. There's an old paper mill. Okay. Uh, so, so it's like, Sorry, I thought it's you a said, lot smaller. I thought you said this, but it's still big. I thought you said there was a a secondary 1.2 gigawatt no. site. No, no. Okay, I got. There, it. I got but it. there is so there is a third that's on the horizon that will be in western Pennsylvania behind the meter at a nuclear facility. And the interesting part here is that this nuclear facility was scheduled to be shut down uh, and take all of its capacity offline. And so we're going to be coming in and off taking 50% of its generation behind the meter straight to the mining. And then the remaining 50% will stay online and go back to the grid. Boy, don't sleep on Ohio or Pennsylvania. I'm telling don't you, sleep on there's a lot of cool stuff happening in both. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because there was a little kerfuffle recently in Pennsylvania. Um, a House member, state House member, uh, for some reason or another, got a got a hair up their nose to uh, to ban Bitcoin mining, <laughs> just a la New York, but even worse than New York, like. New York got the headlines of banning Bitcoin mining, but if you look at it, it was just like a moratorium on new incremental Bitcoin mining behind the meter of a fossil generating station, right? Like it was, it was actually pretty specific, something, some version sure. of that. Uh, the PA one, they kind of got rid of the nuance and they just said, yeah, we just don't want any of it. <laughs> so, that, hap- that happened this well, week? Well, yeah, it happened this week, but, but, this guy got the hair up his nose to write a bill about it. Maybe he thought he was part of the Warren anti-crypto army. I don't know. But uh, he... I think I've been sleeping under a rock this week, Justin. It did make I, news. I, did, you also hear, did you also hear that there was a bunch of like millionaires and billionaires that got compressed down to the size of a baseball because they wanted to go take a look <laughs> at the Titanic, the submarine? Oh. like. I heard about that last night. I guess it's been like some of the biggest news out yeah. there. I, I this is all news to me. I didn't hear about. Oh yeah, boy. well, yeah, that'll tell you something. There's, about there's a couple of big groups in Pennsylvania. Safe and reliable, huh? Um, so, actually, but but the the reason Pennsylvania that you probably didn't hear about it is because he actually did ended up not uh, moving the bills forward. Mm. So they died in their in the cradle, and. Um, <laughs> There's actually maybe maybe we can lean to the show notes. I'm not sure, but there's a there's a great video of this gentleman in the House of Representatives uh, explaining to the world that the the reason that he's there today is not to move these bills forward because he got a call from his leadership five minutes ago, and they told him not to do it, and he is respecting them, and he will not move the bills forward. <laughs> and, and then oh, he boy. asked another guy, another gentleman to his right, do you have any thoughts? And you see the guy adjust his microphone. He's like, oh, yeah, I got a lot of thoughts. But, uh, yeah, I'm just glad we're not moving these bills today. I mean, it's it was – talk about capitulation. It was ultimate capitulation right there. Wow, it's wild. <laughs> what drama. Yeah, Holy a little bit cow. of – well, you know, when, when, when you've got a new plant online that's destined to be saved by Bitcoin mining and some uh, – there's rest, also another to ban Bitcoin mining, regardless of whatever. Uh, well, there might be some people that have thoughts about that. But there's there's also a current existing and thriving nuclear site with two different two different companies yeah. behind the meter. Yeah, so Talon, it's right? <laughs> uh, yeah, T- Talon and uh, Terra. Terra. Yeah, Terra. Yep. Yeah, Terra Wolf and Talon. Uh, both behind the meter on a, on another nuclear facility that is going like swimmingly, like it's going really well. Yeah. So I think I think what you see in this video, if we can get on the link uh, on the notes, is you know th- this is what winning looks like, and this is what um, people are recognizing the benefits of Bitcoin mining as a as a strategic energy infrastructure. No doubt, uh, because that's 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 what happened. Yeah, no, no doubt at all. 
Um, so I, I'm still stuck on like 1.2 gigawatts, even in the Bitcoin mining space where people throw around, oh, 100 megawatts or, oh, it's a small site. It's only 50 megawatts. Like those are massive, massive. sites. One, 1. 1.2 gigawatts is like, that's next level. Talk to me about what is the relationship with those power generators? I mean, how long did it take to even source something like this? Because I can't imagine just the relationship building alone had to take a lot of grooming and a lot of effort. That's a lot of power. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I'm just now finishing up my three, my third month here at standard power. So I don't have, Oh, so you know so everything. I, well, I know, mo- I know most <laughs> of everything, but you know, some of, some of what I don't know is, is the exact history behind how exactly it was that standard power came upon access to this 1.2 gigawatt facility. Um, you know, just what I can tell you is that, that the guys I'm working with from standard power, you know, they, they know how to look for projects they know how to find opportunities and they're not intimidated by, uh, you know, any type of, of, uh, regulation or permitting and their, their previous, their previous roles were, were building out some of the largest, tallest skyscrapers in Manhattan. And so, uh, I can only imagine that, they, you know, that someone got wind and, and we're well capitalized. You know, I don't mean to, I don't mean this to be an infomercial, but you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. We're actually proud of our main uh, financial backers. There's no secrets. Uh, it's uh, the Raymond group. And uh, Lee Raymond is a former CEO and chairman of Exxon Mobile. And so, you know, this is, this is very serious, very serious money backing very serious infrastructure projects and uh that's how we come across these opportunities and and i think you know a large part of it i can only imagine when to when it uh, goes back to the rural revitalization you know these these parts of the world these parts of the country are hungry for industry to return so if someone comes forward forward with a uh comprehensive you know coherent business plan and and the capital and the expertise to back it up you know it seems you know it actually doesn't seem so surprising to imagine how uh they could they can make it happen and so so yeah it's it's going to be big it's going to be one of the largest in the western hemisphere if you haven't already said that but um you know we're building it out uh 50 to 100 megawatts at a time and soon soon it'll be 1.2 gigawatts it's it's so impressive um, yeah. And I mean, it, it's again, no, not a secret who, who your, your funder is. So it's all of, it's just super impressive. It's fun to watch. Um, Justin, I, I just to keep an eye on the time here and, and just to, to keep a, a pulse on that. I, you know, one of the questions I like to ask as the, the show kind of winds down is, you know, if you were sitting at the table with one of these power generation companies and, they may be looking at you like, I don't know. I don't know about this Bitcoin mining thing. What would you say to them or how would you kind of lay out to them or what might they be missing if, if you were sitting at the table and that was kind of the response to, to having Bitcoin mining on the grid? Yeah. Well, you know, if it was a happy hour, I'd probably tell them, you know, you don't really have a choice. You know, it's almost we're basically to the point of where you absolutely need Bitcoin mining or you will have considered, you know, consistently and considerably more unreliable grids into the future. No questions asked. Right. And we're seeing that there's there was just an article in CNN the other day, you know, corporate media, say what you will. But (laughs) they're putting it out there because they have to that. That, yeah. that, you know, half the U.S. is likely to experience a blackout or whatever the headline was. It was some version of that, that this summer, as as the grids are stressed, and I think you look back and you say, okay, well, what have we been doing the past decade and a half, two decades? It's installing solar and wind. Well, yeah, they have no capacity. <laughs> they provide no capacity. They're intermittent, unreliable, and they haven't even been built where people need them. They've been built where there's cheap right. land and interconnection access. And so um, just, I think if you don't have Bitcoin mining, these challenges are just going to compound on themselves in 
And I don't, I, I, we don't, none of us want to imagine what that world looks like two, three, four, five years from now. And, and, and what's your alternative controlling people's thermostats, telling people they can't charge their car. <laughs> you, you need Bitcoin mining. It is not a nice to have at this moment. It's actually a pure necessity. And put me in a room with any of your distribution plan engineers and have them put on the whiteboard, the top 20 problems they're trying to address. And I bet you I can knock out 50 to 60 to 70% of them with a, a flexible point load that can be of any particular scale. And uh, that's yeah. Bitcoin mining. And so, ah, uh, that's, that's great. We'll have to, we'll have to make sure that we, we get you in the room with, with those groups. That that's fantastic. I appreciate that, Justin. So I, I, I always, you know, leave room at the end to, to give you uh, an opportunity for you know a handoff. I want the the guests and the audience to be able to get in touch with you if they want or standard power. So please give a handoff either you know with whatever you're comfortable with. I don't know if you want to give your phone number <laughs> out, but however however you are most comfortable with people reaching out or even if you even want that. No, uh, I'm happy to share. I'm I'm on Bitcoin Twitter. It's been uh, it's been a fun couple of years there. It, it has a lot to do with where I am now, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that. And so they can find me at jorkney5 uh, on, on Twitter, and I'm on the I'm on the Orange Pill app. I think I think uh, engaging in the Bitcoin ecosystem uh, in in ways like that is also very fulfilling and, and very important. And so I'd encourage anybody to do that and, and reach out to me on that app if, if you like. Uh, I think I'm I think I'm J Row J A E R O E uh, on Orangeville app. And other than that, other than that, I uh, kind of keep a low profile, hide behind the shades, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. Great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, Justin. I said thanks that? for having me on. Yeah. Uh, this this was an absolute blast. I you know we'll have to do this in person for the next round. I'm sure I'll run into you hopefully at Mining Disrupt yeah. or you know like I said I'll, I'll probably be out in North Carolina uh, or you know wherever. There's a couple of areas I'm probably going to run into you at. So um, this was fantastic. I appreciate this and uh, you take care. Yeah, you too.